This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now, your host, Scott Walker. Right now, that time, 817, you're listening to WGNS. And this morning on the WGNS Action Line, we have Murfreesboro Mayor Shane McFarland in studio. How are you? Man, I'm doing good. How about you? I'm good. Happy Valentine's Day. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I left your flowers at home, man. I sorry about uh, that. You I, know, Ashley and I were talking about that this morning, and we we did we we both woke up. This our we were joking. This is our 26th Valentine's together, and neither one of us had a present for each other. Hey, you know, and it's probably okay. <laughs> it is. Uh, hopefully, it'll all work out for you. That's right. <laughs> so, so what's going on? What's the latest in uh, Murfreesboro news and things happening? You know, it's been relatively quiet over the last um, several months. We've got a big solid waste meeting tonight at uh, City Hall, and um, no, it it won't be a Valentine's Valentine's uh, celebration, but they're going to talk about the new transfer station that's you know going to be built on uh, on the south side of Murfreesboro. So that's going to be, I guess, near the intersection of what is it, Butler Drive and Joby Jackson? Yeah, Butler's going to be Butler is going to be relocated. So Butler's going to like sort of swing around. And right now, that that Butler Road where it goes into the interchange is really too close to the interchange. So they're going to be swinging Butler around and getting that further away from the interchange to be able to accommodate Bucky's being built. Um, and then that inter- interchange relocation. But, you know, Scott, it's crazy that, you know, in the political world we, we live in, this transfer station has been on the books for over 10 years now. That's part of our solid waste plan that when, when the GBB study was done years ago, you know, it, it, it's part of the process as the city has expanded. You know, when our, when our, for example, when we pick up trash on the south side of Murfreesboro now, that truck has to drive all the way across Murfreesboro, out to Middle Point Landfill, wait at Middle Point Landfill for what could be two hours plus, and then get back on, on picking their route up. So that the whole time that that truck is off service, you know, that's costing the taxpayers money. So, you know, part of the plan was to be able to build a transfer station um, where you bring your trash into a enclosed building that has it's an engineering term negative pressure where everything stays inside so smell stays inside and then they tip put that in a in a uh, a warehouse and then it's loaded up in one big truck and taken out to the landfill so that way our trucks are on the the roads quicker but man what's happened is like i got a, a robo call always for, always exciting you yeah of course those. of course the robo call does not say who they are it doesn't say who they're representing. It doesn't say who paid for it. Um, and it it's in opposition. And it's, hey, call Darren Gore and Shane McFarland to be against this. They're, they're talking about the waste-away process. And, look, this transfer station has nothing to do with the waste-away process. I mean, in the future, there possibly could be a waste-away, a waste-away facility that would be put on there. But there's a lot that has to be done to be able to get to that point, including private funding to pay for that um but it's it makes me think that you know all of a sudden if you watch the news and you see the general manager of the landfill talks about that we have this solid waste crisis you know and that solid waste crisis has been here for years we've been jumping up and down for 10 years now saying look we've got to find some things to do but you know once you cut through all the bs on this the solid waste crisis is that organization wants to 
to build a new landfill. And, you know, we call it FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And you start throwing out, hey, we, you know, what's going to happen if you can't take your trash somewhere? You know, so, look, I don't know who's paying for all these calls, and I don't know who's, you know, putting all this disinformation. I just look at, you know, who benefits from Murfreesboro not, and Rutherford County not coming up with a solution. And the same old, same old is not working. And, you know, having the amount of trucks that you see on our roads bringing trash in from Davidson County and everywhere else, that just doesn't make sense. It makes a lot of sense for the people who run the landfill because they get paid for that. But it doesn't make a lot of sense for the taxpayer. Now, if the landfill closes in, in what, five, six years, what will happen with all the trash and everything that we we make here at Murfreesboro and Rutherford County? Well, I think that's why the county, you know, the county has their transfer station under construction on the north side. The city's working to get our transfer station situated on the south side and then from there coming up with you know we that that gives us the ability to be able to take care of our trash which we would have to haul it somewhere else but you know i think the the overall goal is to be able to come up with an independent solution and and i think the studies that we've gone through the waste away process the renewable natural gas that can be created there's a lot of that that looks very promising. The The issue with that's going to be the price tag to build something like that. And, you know, at this point, I'm not willing for the taxpayer to have to fund that. So these groups are going to have to come up with private funding to be able to, you know, to work that process. So I think there's a lot of things that are in place. But, you know, I, I laugh when I see people in the news talk about a solid waste crisis and that how landfills are good neighbors. And, you know, and, and look, I'm sure there are landfills around the country that are good neighbors. And, and we want ultimately with our lawsuit against against Republic, we want the landfill to be operated correctly. We want the, op- the landfill to be, you know, it, we don't want it to be a detriment to the people in that area. So, you know, when you talk about good neighbors, I'm like, well, hey, let's go, let's go talk to the people who live within a mile of that landfill and have to deal with the trash on the roads out there, you know, continually or the amount of, of trucks that come in. And so let's, let's talk about being a good neighbor. I think the residents, you know, all throughout Rutherford County, I think they have a hard time trying to figure out, well, what is correct and not correct as far as the information that is released from, you know, be it from the city, from the county, from the landfill folks out there in Walter Hill. I mean, you have all these different sources for information on what's happening next, how much longer the landfill will be open. and, And Scott, you've heard me say this. And I hope people respect this. I've completely lost my political filter that, you know, I think whenever you see something that's not correct, you just say it's not correct. And and ultimately, this is what I think the goal of Republic and some of these waste management or uh, I'm not saying waste management, but these waste services companies, the Jackson law is in place, which basically says for any landfill, any new landfill, and, and I think you could argue, argue even an expansion that that has to go through the Jackson Law. The Jackson Law was, was put in place many years ago that basically says a landfill that's within one mile of city limits, the, the municipality or the county would have to approve that. Well, if you've got a city that's one mile from a landfill, typically that's not a good idea. You know, I think if we would have years ago in the mid 80s and early 90s, if 
the county, I think, would have known the growth that Rutherford County would have had, I'd like to think they would have never put that landfill where it is, close to a water source. I mean, it's just, it was not a decision I think people would have made again. But ultimately, I think what the solid waste industry is trying to do at the state, and you see, you start seeing these signs where you've got the general manager of of Middle Point gets up in front of one of these committees and talks about the waste management or the the crisis. There was a guy from Tullahoma that got up last year and talked about this crisis. They want to do away with the Jackson Law, and they want to get the state to do away because their argument is no no locality is going to approve a a landfill. I disagree with that. I think if you've got a, a location that makes sense for a landfill, then but around a city that's got 170,000 residents, that's probably not a good idea. So what they're trying to do, and I think they're they're going to make an end run through their lobbying efforts uh, at the state, is to lobby the delegation that localities are a stumbling block to getting new landfills approved, and they want the state to approve that and not um, and not the county or the cities to approve that. That's ultimately, I think, what the goal is that they're they're trying to do, which is crazy to think that. You want to take local decisions away from the local the localities and give that to the state or bureaucrats at the state um, who don't live in those communities. You know, I, I never understood why any landfill was next to a river. But if you look back locally, even, of course, the old Gateway Island that used to be a, a landfill site, that, too, was yeah. right next to the river. And then the transfer station isn't that right along or next to no i mean the transfer station you've got a buffer between um you've got the csx railroad and so the transfer station though you have to take into account the transfer station nothing is buried it's it sits on concrete so it there's nothing that gets to your water source i would argue with you that there's more that gets to your water source from our storm drains and what you know grass clippings and people where people put th- stuff down our storm drain then would this will be so regulated and here's the other part scott i tell people knowing what we've been through for the last 15 years dealing with middle point why in the world would we want to do that to another area of our community we're not so there's transfer stations that that work in municipalities all over this country where people don't even know those transfer stations are there and so I think what, and that's exactly what it is. It's a transfer. So trash is brought in, trash is taken out. So, and if you look at the design of the metal building, it looks like all the other metal buildings that are around uh, around that area. I think the fear is that, you know, we're trying to accept trash from other places, and that's not what the goal is. You know, um, and and I I say this, if there's a way that government can operate more efficiently, and us not have to raise taxes, I think that's a good thing. Um, but, you know, that's the part I look at. There's been all of this misinformation that's been given out on this transfer station and, and really like what's happening in our community. And you really have to look at who benefits the most for who benefits the most if the county and the city can't find a solution to handle our own waste. I mean, it's like somebody has a gun to your head and they're telling you you have no options. And I don't think that's good for for any individual to not have options. So if the transfer station, you know, if that all moves forward and let's say Waste Away finds funding, then Waste Away would potentially locate the same site right there 
Possibly. near Joby Jackson. Yep. And then they would convert this waste into a natural gas. Correct. So th- th- there's two processes that the waste away facility could do. They take and they make this biosolid fluff material or pellets that have no smell. There's no burning. You know, that's been the that's been the the rumor that they're going to they're putting a burn plant there, which is not true. Um, and so this material is turned into basically like the pellets that you use in your Traeger grill or, you know, the wood pellets. They're turned into pellets, and then that's a fuel sur- source. It's a clean fuel source that was approved by the EPA that co- um, cement companies, for example, can use to fuel their kil- their kilns. And the carbon footprint for using those is so much less than coal that it benefits everyone. Well, then on top of that, you can take that material, you can put that into an anaerobic digester. And you probably didn't know this, but General Mills has had an anaerobic digester on their on their facility for 20 plus years. I, I don't know what an anaerobic digester is. So they're used all uh, in Europe. They're used routinely. So it's basically just, if you can picture this, it's a, it's a vat that like for General Mills, they put all their, their uh, byproduct from their yogurt, all the things they make. It sits in that, and it it's like something being in your stomach. It turns into gas. It processes. It turns into gas. That gas is piped out, and it's sold just like it's renewable natural gas. So a portion of that, I guess, is then burned off, which is not what... Not burned. Not burned off. No it, it's burn. Completely it's completely reused, it, recycled. Yeah, so it sits in a, in a, it's a, an anaerobic digester. It sits in this this uh, equipment. It sits and it goes through the process, almost like fermenting beer. Okay. <laughs> and and then it turns into gas, and so the gas is then piped out. It's put into the system, and then the city gets credit for putting that natural gas back into the into the system so someone buys that and then the federal government you know part of what makes this work is the federal government is subsidizing people to be able to do renewable natural gas i mean it's exactly what middle points getting ready very similar to what middle points getting ready to build out on their site they're they're new now they have a lot of gas out there that i can imagine yeah (laughs) so it's you know it's again it's all these rumors that you know, we're going to be burning stuff that we're going to be, um, you know, selling, bringing in Davidson County trash. I mean, and my question is this. If we know where we are right now and we know the issues that that have happened from a contract that was signed 30 years ago, why in the world would we want to do that again? And and so, you know, that's been my, my commitment is to try to be transparent. Anyone who emails me and they've got questions, I've got this email that – the city team had put together it's got videos it's got descriptions and once someone goes through and they read all that and they watch all the videos and they see everything they're like well hey this is not bad at all and so that that's that's uh, i mean the other option scott is when middle point landfill closes we haul our trash to another another um another facility and your solid waste fees are going to be probably quadruple what you're paying right now and we'll just haul it you know, just some remote location. Uh, so do you know, what what would that remote location be? I mean, how many miles away? I, I don't know where another landfill yeah, so is right, located. Right now, the Camden, Tennessee, is one of the facilities that they've um, 
that you know Darren has put in his his model to show how long how much it would cost to send something there. Um, you've got Ray County is a is a, a spot. There's a place in Alabama um, that so I mean there's lots of spots that you can haul your trash. But I mean you look at the majority of those communities, and they're all rural communities. I mean there are very few communities that are our size that have a mega landfill in their community i I mean you're talking about an all-day drive just for one truck to go there unload wait then turn around and come back well it'd be a semi-truck it wouldn't be our trash trucks so what you'd end up doing you'd have the the garbage trucks that everyone sees in their neighborhoods tip that into the transfer station it's then loaded up onto a semi-truck that's got the big it's basically the same semi-trucks that you see the atomic trucks oh yeah those are see those all the time I guess, you know, either along the interstate or one of the state highways. That's trash coming from somewhere else that's coming to Middle Point. So that's exactly what they're doing. They're taking their trash to a transfer station. They're loading it up on an atomic truck. They cover it up. They bring it to Middle Point and they dump it. That's exactly what we would be doing, except we would be going to somewhere else. Which would be very costly, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be costly. So, and that's, you know, there, there are three things that, a joke that you can guarantee death taxes and solid waste is going to be much more expensive in the future than it is right now because we've got to find some place to to take it and that's really what we're trying to do is to find that next step that one we can be independent and we don't have to rely on you know 70 percent or 70 some odd percent of other people's trash coming into our community and here's the other thing you know scott not only is there the incentive for the the profit-making businesses for us not to find a solution, but if Middle Point, and, and we are adamantly opposed to a new landfill going out on their on their site, adamantly opposed to that, why do why should Murfreesboro and Rutherford County be the solution for everyone else's trash? So Davidson County. You know, they signed a contract with with Republic, um, and I, I think they also have a, a contract with Waste Management that they don't they pick up their trash and they don't care where it goes. It's not their problem. So let them let the region figure out what the overall problem is is what the solution is going to be. And I think regionally, GNRC, Michael Skipper, some some in, we have a, a task force that's working on a regional issue. But you know, Murfreesboro has been the solution for too long it's time for someone else to be the solution and you know doubling the size of the middle point landfill or trying to get the county to sell the v of their landfill to build on top of the existing landfill i mean in in my opinion that's a non-negotiable and i think if you ask most people in our community do you want the landfill to be double the size of it is right now they're going to say no um and and that's something you know, I hope that everyone can agree on. Again, with us today, Murfreesboro Mayor Shane McFarland and that meeting about the transfer station that's tonight in the city hall. What time does that start? Six o'clock, I believe. And this uh, transfer station, it, it would literally be right around the corner from I-24 and uh, a future, what, Bucky's yeah, gas it's station. It's in the industrial area already. You know, so it's on that, that, that Butler Drive is all heavy industrial. So yeah, it's we bought twenty. I want to say it's twenty-two or twenty-three acres out there 
six or seven years ago. It's been been quite some time. So this has been in the in the works and in process for for quite a while. And, and then uh, and I'll and I'll say this, Scott, Darren Gore, who has you know the the most the subdivision that there's been anonymous leaflets and flyers and of course these robocalls and it all has come out of the indian hill subdivision i used to live in the indian hill subdivision but do you know where darren gore lives no clue i'm gonna guess indian hills area he he lives in the indian hill subdivision has lived there for i don't know 20 i think it's 20 years or so so the question is why would darren want to do something that would be next to the subdivision he lives in that would be detrimental to the subdivision he lives in and the answer is he doesn't and so it it gets frustrating that in the political world we live in that you know there's all these narratives that are pushed and i just wish that it was much more straightforward i mean look anyone who's emailed me or heck if you want to call in we're not going to hide from what we've tried to do for the last 10 years and this is not like shane mcfarland or darren gore or the city council's diabolical plan on how that we're trying to make money to um you know to to bring in other people's trash that's just not the case it's wild how garbage has even made its way to uh to political talks you it's know? you know it's the one service that no one really it's the one service that the city gives on a weekly basis that each person in our community gets that service and really doesn't think twice about it but not many people think about once they're their trash cans emptied where it goes from there and that's the big issue yeah yeah you're right is there an idea of starting some type of recycling program in murfreesboro well that's the issue and so that that question is always asked um with this with this new process that we're working on that it is a recycling process that goes with that you know 90 percent of the 90 percent of the waste is either is generated into a recyclable product the issue right now, and, and people don't like to hear this, it would cost us roughly about $2 million in upfront cost to, to implement a recycling program. We recycle at my house. We have a paid service that we use. Then it would cost us about $1.5 to $2 million every single year. It would cost the taxpayers to recycle. And if we did that right now with with the current contract at Middle Point, all we're doing is ex, is putting money on the taxpayer to extend the life of Middle Point landfill to allow more people to bring in trash from other areas in our community. So I definitely think that the once Middle Point closes down, recycling is an absolute integral part into what we're going to be doing moving forward. But right now, all we would end up doing is providing, you know, I, we, we don't pay to tip our trash we don't pay to take trash to middle point that was part of the agreement 30 years ago we process their leachate the county um that's part of the deal the county struck so you know if we bring less trash to middle point right now we're just allowing middle point to accept more trash from people who are paying to bring it there so i'm sure middle point would love for us to implement a recycling program um but you know two and a half million dollars which would end up being three or four pennies on the tax the tax rate um, I don't think people would want their taxes raised right now to allow Middle Point to make more money at their landfill. Well, in other stories, it seems like, uh, I guess back in September or so, we heard 
the idea of a uh, minor league baseball team coming here and it, it was even presented i believe to the city council <laughs> yes with the idea of building a stadium near, next to cannonsburg correct but everything just kind of died out well, whatever became of all of that you know it's it's crazy you're it's one of those things you're danged if you do you're danged if you don't you're danged if you're transparent because you won't let everybody know hey this is what has been approached but then if someone found out that you weren't transparent you didn't let people know so i'm you know i made the the post scott broden had called me and said hey i I hear this is coming and i'm like yeah they've reached out to the city i had never met with them they had met with our, our city team um and so i let everybody know hey this is what's going on you know it talked about Cannonsburg possible relocation honestly I don't think Cannonsburg could be relocated just because you can't build anything next to what's called a blue line blue line stream so you know long story short they presented to the city council I mean it was a it was a an interesting proposal but the problem is you know they want us to build a 50 million dollar yeah, initially the stadium it could be 30 million then 40 million then 50 million then looking at other facilities they're 60 million dollars and you know i i don't i don't want to speak for the entire city council i think i I know how the city council feels about this but that's just not what that's a that's a, a want that's not a need and we've got a lot of things that we need to do in our community besides spending 50 million dollars on a a baseball stadium and so i don't think that's gone anywhere i mean when i when i met with the developer i had a lot of tough questions you know he came in i met with him before the day before he was going to present to the city just to talk about funding and you know my my honest answer was like hey look if you're looking for the municipality to foot the bill on building a a big stadium that's just not where we are now i mean if there was a way to do a partnership to where you could show that that it would pay for itself but that's a pretty big risk. And so, you know, right now with all of the things that we have in the city that need to be done, you know, we've got every road. It feels like every road in this community is under construction. Um, we've got school, you know, we've got a school that's possibly talking about being built in 2026. Um, there's a lot of, of priorities that we have that we want to we want to put first. So this idea of the minor league team was more or less, hey, Murphy's bro, you pay for our new stadium and we'll come play baseball in your town. Well, you know, I think our our city team really was meeting to find out what, you know, you don't know until you know. I mean, you, you want to sit down and you want to listen and you want to hear what the proposal possibly could be. But I think ultimately when it, you know, the further it got down the road, once they presented the city council and you really start looking at what the economic impact is and what the, what they were wanting, I don't think the economic impact compared to what current construction costs to build a stadium that they don't pencil out and so i think you know the reason you haven't heard much much more about it is i i think it's one of those things that once you really start looking at what their overall proposal was and then really looking at what that would um how that would be mitigated by the taxpayer the numbers don't work and so i I, i'm not gonna say i've not met with them again um since the city council you know met met with them or since they proposed or gave the proposal to the city council so if it were if i were a betting man um i would say the likelihood of that happening is is pretty small and then i guess in other stories that we've heard about over the last couple of years uh medical center parkway changes coming 
that direction with a a, a musical venue yeah uh where concerts will be held it, where, where does all of that stand today because it seems like we've heard very little about that over the last few months yeah i think they're they're getting so i i got a, a text the other day from some of our city team where they finalized all of their things that you know the initial company was going to go public or wanting to go public and they found a way to be able they're getting ready to uh, i think start an ipo that they're going to go public so i mean i think you're going to see that that move along i mean you know the the tough thing right now and you look at the road we just built from behind the oaks shopping center you know from the roundabout on gateway boulevard and it goes all the way to robert rose drive it's a it's a way to keep people from having to get on thompson lane because I think you guys reported on that. It was on your website. Um, I think that, you know, that road was almost $7 million to build. And things are, the construction costs on everything are so expensive right now that, you know, you make a proposal, you come into the city council, you say, hey, we're getting, we want to do this. By the time you go through the planning and all of those things, you know, your construction costs go up 30 to 40%. So I think that's what, you know, everyone's dealing with right now. I mean, Scott, that's one uh, you'll notice on Thompson Lane, we're, we're about to open up. Um, the new headquarters for our parks department and our fire department, fire and rescue department. We bought that building. I want to say it was for around a couple of million dollars. We've ended up putting, you know, another two into it. But by the time we've done renovations and furniture and all those things. So that building is going to end up being $4 million. Our, our total bid to build something for, for fire and rescue and parks was almost eight and a half million dollars. And that number probably is 10 now. So, you know, we ended up saving five or six million dollars of, of, of taxpayer dollars and borrowed money by repurposing and finding things inside our community that we can buy cheaper than what we can build. And the, the water and sewer department's doing the same thing on Robert Rose Drive with the building where the new road was built. You know, the old Guarantee Trust building, it's 20,000 square feet. We were trying to find a way to build a new water and sewer facility, but the, the cost came back to renovate the water and sewer facility. It was more just to do a small renovation than what the thing was worth. So we bought a building that we're going to end up saving quite possibly seven to eight million dollars by you know repurposing an existing building. Now, with the Notes Live Entertainment venue, which would be on Medical Center Parkway, is that across the street from the hospital or is it down the street from down the hospital the, down the street from the hospital so closer to the uh the the river and the greenway area right there closer to the fire sta- fire station four and so that looks to be i guess off the ground and moving forward I, that's the last i've heard now until I've, I've you know i'm trying to think of a well that's not a very political way i mean we've uh, who does politics that's so. exactly right <laughs> um i mean you watch the federal government right now and and all my stuff I read on X and I just shake my head. Um, until a shovel is put in the ground, I, I, there's all of these projects that come to the city that, you know, we can't, we've gotten to where we've really done a better job on putting clawbacks and financial ramifications and, and check marks to be able to say, or checkpoints that the city can claw back a project that if it, if it doesn't, you know, go through, but you know, you look at legacy development that was going to go out on Broad Street. That was a big announcement that, you know, once they made their announcement and we really started um, working on the details on that, you you start having some doubt. You look at One East College, 
Um, so I'm not, we don't have a great track record at this point on these larger projects. I mean, we've, we've got some great things that have happened that you look at, you know, the gateway as a whole, look at how that really has changed our entire community. But these specific projects until there's a shovel in the ground, um, uh, I'm holding reservation because you've got, there's so many things that are beyond your control, right? You're talking about a private company that the government has no control over that you just want to make sure is reputable and, and going to do what they say they're going to do. And everything that we've been shown so far, this group is very reputable. And with One East College, that has totally stalled and you don't see any progress out there whatsoever. So where yeah. does all that stand? Because the city, I guess, went to those developers and said, hey, what's going on? Yeah, I mean, I met with those developers and I'm, I'm going to be careful in how I say this because I feel pretty confident this is going to end up in some kind of legal discussion um the city has sent a notice of default to that developer so this will get into the legal realm but you know there was a tax incremental finance portion with the county and with the city and we believe they did not hold up their end to that tax incremental financing and meet the the dates that they had to meet for that that tiff to be active and so you know i met with the developer um it was late it was last year and you know i don't want to go into everything that was said but there was one point that the developer said you know this project just hasn't been a priority and i i lost my temper and just said don't tell me that again you know this project is not it it may not be a priority to you but this project is not like nashville you know where you've got high rises and cranes going everywhere this is in the middle of our downtown and you know the city has done everything that we said we were going to do you need to do what you said you were going to do and so i I, you know going back if we could go back four or five years i would have never voted for this developer I, i think there's some mitigating circumstances that i'm extremely frustrated with but i mean that's one scott we own i mean we we went through an RFP process. We got different proposals. We selected this developer. We've gone through trying to to really bend over backwards. They, you know, they they wanted a unit count change. We approved. I think we've gone through two changes with their their planned development. And you know, the last the last um, the last point. I think they were supposed to submit something in August that didn't get submitted. And you know, here we are in in February. And so you know, I don't think with this development group. I have zero faith that they'll end up doing anything. Um, I mean, I, I think the best thing, in my opinion, is for the developer just to say, we'll, we, we'll sell back the property and let's let y'all do something else with it. So if that property is sold back to the city or let's say another developer comes along and wants to buy it, it does the whole the tax benefit that went with that property that was approved does that go with oh, it's that tax benefit's gone now it's expired yeah it's date's a, gone so yeah. so they have to go all the way back through the process again i mean i'm i'm not you know the broad street development where we're sitting right now that looks to be very promising with what's happening across the street with town creek and with the pedestrian bridge that's being built so i think you know i'm not interested in in approving a bunch of other living until uh, living dwellings until you know we get some under construction and so i you know i think i, I don't want to get into the legalities but you know I, I would be more for 
doing something else down there that maybe would be some open space or something you know i mean because right now it's just a hole in the ground right now and and look i will say this if i were that developer i would be embarrassed if that were my project and i mean i don't mind publicly saying that anyone who is representing them i would be embarrassed to be associated with them well it's just set vacant yeah because there's you know there's no and that was one of the things i told the developer when i when i met with him and typically i wouldn't you know say publicly about you know meetings that we've had in private but i'm like look man you can't even keep the grass mode you know you can't even keep your sign up so how does it show our community that you're showing pride in something that we took and take great pride in if you can't even maintain your site and so they've done better with that but um i mean it's still it's still a disaster over there We're going to take a short break, and then we'll come right back with us today, Murphy's World Mayor Shane McFarland. Time right now, 8.54. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Hi, this is Dan Mitchell from Music World and Drummer's Den. We offer a good assortment of everything. We have new guitars, Gill, Seagull, Godin, lots of brands vintage guitars we have everything you need keyboards drums every instrument you can think of we would welcome you to come in and look around see what you can find that you have to have the music world and drummer's den is located at 2762 south church street right across from indian hills golf course if you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs capstar bank is for you Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. CapstarBank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. There's a lot going on here. Entertainers come in three or four times a week. I'm Greg Shannon. Come and check out Adam's Place. Of all the places we checked, it was by far the most comfortable People make a difference in your life. And here, when we first got here, you know, they come up and said, hey, join us for dinner. They just want you to be part of the community, you know? It just feels so welcoming. I'm Terry Deal. Call me from about Adam's place. Phone 615-904-9111. Memorial Boulevard, across from Walmart. We'll see sunny skies here for this afternoon. High in the mid-60s. Southwest winds 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear, low near 38. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 31. Fellow Americans, how safe is your money? Our country may be in trouble, and if you don't take action, your savings could disappear. Is your wealth protected? At Advantage Gold, we've helped Americans secure and grow their wealth with precious metals like gold and silver for more than a decade. Now, we want to help you do the same. Call our team at 800-741-GOLD for your free wealth preservation kit to help you protect and grow your wealth in these trying times. Don't wait to call. A market correction could wipe out your portfolio overnight. Call 800-741-GOLD for your free wealth preservation kit now. 800-741-GOLD. Performance may vary. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. Always consult your financial and tax professional. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now that time, 8.56, you're tuned to WGNS. And again, Murfreesboro Mayor Shane McFarland in studio with us this morning. Well, we only have just a, a couple of minutes left Uh, So as we start to close out the show this morning, I know a lot of changes have been happening at the Murfreesboro Airport in recent years. And uh, right now, I understand there is a chance that we could have, what, a flight control tower? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think uh, everything. So, you know, the federal government, FAA, approved our application, and now it moves into uh, to meeting with the Tennessee Aer- Aeronautics Commission, or TDOT. Um, and then, actually, we got some really some really cool news that um, I'd have to pull up which division. I want to say it's the 101st, but basically the military does their training and they are they are looking and have uh, hopefully selected Murfreesboro to put a mobile tower for a, an extended period during the year where they can come out it'll be it'll turn into where Murfreesboro will be controlled airspace and then um, that will be a tower but the, the, it would allow the federal government to be able to train their air traffic controllers at Murfreesboro for a while so that's something that we got um this was probably a couple of weeks ago that we got uh, uh, information on that. So pretty cool. Lots of good stuff happening around there. So if that FAA, I guess, grant does come through and Murfreesboro is able to build this air traffic control tower, how high will it be? Um, you know, I don't know the exact height. A lot of that has to do on topo, but typically those you end up seeing are about 30 feet tall, 30 to 40 feet tall. I'm, I'm guessing just... So not not some massive. No, no, okay. no. It's not something that you know you've got a hundred foot structure. I mean, they're not. They're no taller than some of the things that you see um, in our our community already. So I mean, they're not. It's not like you you honestly you wouldn't even notice that they're they're there. They're so innocuous. So um, it's and it's man, it's needed. I mean, I flew yesterday. I flew to Knoxville and came back. Um, I was dropping some stuff off for my. My boys, I'm a glorified UPS delivery um, driver, and and so coming back into Murfreesboro, you know, you, you have your traffic map, and it, we were able to get in no problem. But I counted, I counted eleven planes that were in the direct vicinity of the airport that you're, you know, like weaving in and out. And so, it's um, and, and with MTSU relocating, I think that's going to be significant for the for the city as well so lots of good thing that's things are happening at that airport i'm i'm proud of our staff that that has gone out there you know that's another one of those things that once you get in depth and you study it there's you know always a narrative machine and a pr machine but you start looking into it and you're like you know we just won the safest airport in our region um we just we've won multiple awards for technology over the last year or so. So there's a lot of cool things that are happening out there. Again, Murfreesboro Mayor Shane McFarland and that meeting tonight about the uh, future transfer station, that's going to be at the City Hall. What time does that start? I'm pretty sure it's 6 o'clock, but you can get on our website and and, uh, and check that out. So, hey, and for all those those husbands out there and who have significant others you need to make sure and get your valentine present for your for your your wife or significant other good good luck folks that's right (laughs) well thanks for joining us this morning time right now nine o'clock news is next